Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg and SIsAllHokies.com. Alongside me, the regular crew. First off, we have Mike McDaniel live from somewhere. I'm assuming that's his house in Northern Virginia. Mike, how are you, buddy? What is going on, guys? How you doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. And on the other side of the state in the 757, we got Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, how are you, Doug? Doing good. Doing good, gentlemen. It's been a busy day, but I'm glad we're able to, to get together here because Lord knows uh, we're recording this on, what, Thursday. Wednesday was one of the biggest news days in probably the offseason ACC history, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, y- you know, boys, y- you know me. I- I'm a sports fanatic. I-, I I can't get enough. I live on my phone. I live on the Twitterverse. I get notifications for every single, you know, really heavy-hitting national reporter for the NBA, the MLB, and, of course, the NFL. I got my Adam Schefter notifications. I did not think that an Adam Schefter notification would be something that seemingly turns the Virginia Tech football season on its side when he broke the news that Caleb Farley was going to opt out of the 2020 Virginia Tech season and instead prepare for the NFL draft. Now, Caleb Farley, a preseason All-American, a guy who is widely projected to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, at least top 15, depending on who you ask. This is obviously a big blow for the Hokies, losing almost undisputably their best player, if not just their best player on the defensive side of the ball. Mike, I'm going to ask you first. What's your reaction and analysis from this announcement from Farley? So I thought that this would happen across college football, but for some reason I was still surprised when Caleb Farley announced it, oddly. Um but then, like, when you take a step back from it all and consider kind of the environment we're in right now with the pandemic and the uncertainty of college football to begin with, the decision by Farley in and of itself really isn't all that surprising, right? I mean, he's going to be conservatively, we can say, a top 15 or 20 pick in the draft in all likelihood. He's going to be one of at least the top two or three defensive backs on the board, and they just seem to be continuously getting picked higher and higher as deep as defenses across the NFL just put a premium on that kind of talent. And Farley certainly is one of the best defensive backs, not only in the ACC, but in all of college football. So the fact that he made that decision is not really all that surprising. Now, 
at a macro level for Virginia Tech, I'm more interested to see how they're going to fill the void, right? And it's a big loss. I mean, anytime you lose an all-ACC player, an all-American candidate, um, a player of Farley's caliber, because look, Farley is a guy who has an opportunity to be one of the top defensive players ever drafted out of Virginia Tech. Um, and he's going to take that opportunity and seize it. And I fully anticipate that he'll be a very high draft pick next, next year. As far as Virginia Tech's concerned for the upcoming season, this is the one area of their team where they could have afforded a loss like this. But the problem is that it is their best player, right? I mean, Farley is the best player on the team, period. Uh, they do have Waller, who is a top five or six ACC defensive back anyway. So having him still in the fold for now is very good. Um, Armani Chapman is a guy who's got experience. Um, that, and he's going to have to step in and play a much bigger role than expected. Brian Murray, uh, who was good in limited playing time last year. You think back to the UVA game and the bowl game, he had two very good showings there um, as he was one of the guys who rotated in to replace Farley. So it's not like Virginia Tech can't replace him or at least most of his production, because I think you can find it with the guys that you have on the defensive side of the football. But no matter what way you slice it, this is a huge loss for Virginia Tech's defense. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Well, Mike pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, it's not all that surprising given Caleb Farley's potential to go to the NFL draft and be a first-round draft pick. Uh, the other thing that I thought was um, obviously important when talking about this was that Caleb lost his mother to an illness recently. So he's he has a, a tragic experience with health issues in his family already. So I, I totally understand why he made that decision. Um, in regards to Virginia Tech's ability to replace him, like Mike mentioned, this is a group that they have some depth at um, with Jermaine Waller, Breon Murray, Armani Chapman, uh, possibly a Nadir Thompson coming in and filling in off the bench. But anytime you lose a guy like Caleb Farley, who's a first-round draft pick, it's going to immediately affect all three levels of the defense. I mean, imagine in 2016-2017 uh, not having Tremaine Edmonds on those teams and imagine the impact that that would have had. Um, and I, I think Caleb Farley is a, a better college player than Tremaine Edmonds was because even though Tremaine was a great player, uh, he was more picked in the first round because of his potential. And he's obviously living that out in the NFL right now. Caleb has a ton of potential as well, but he's produced a ton in the NF or in the NCAA to this point. So losing him is going to be difficult. Um, they already have questions with Devin Hunter filling in at uh, strong safety. So I'm not sure how they're going to be able to balance losing Farley while also trying to acclimate Devin into the starting rotation in the, in the secondary, but they have some guys there, but they're not going to produce to the level that you would expect Caleb Farley to, and it's going to hurt this defense that kind of was relying on the defensive secondary to be a strength given their issues up front, particularly in the pass rush. Now, I think one thing that's important to point out is that Farley's decision to opt out for the season, 
I think many people in the perpetually negative camp might try to spin this as an indictment on the program in some sense. And, and it's absolutely not that. Farley comes out, makes his announcement, wearing Virginia Tech garb, his father in the background, wearing a Caleb Farley Virginia Tech jersey. This is nothing to reflect Justin Fuente, the coaching staff, the state of the program as a whole. This is Caleb Farley, an adult man now who looks in the mirror and says, the risk of contracting COVID-19, as we can see in just a small sample size from college programs across the country that are being transparent about how many players are testing positive, is obviously high. We see that with the Miami Marlins. We'll see it all across sports in you know, with the exception of maybe the NBA and NHL where they have the opportunity and the financial ability to create a bubble. And, and just, you know, that's not practical from a college sports perspective. Let's just throw that out there right now. Now, what does he have to lose? You know, he could he could contract COVID. He could spread it to a family member where he talked about losing his mother back in 2018. And he said he can't put himself in a situation where he could even slightly touch the risk of doing that to another family member, which you have to respect from a, a purely human perspective. You have to respect that. Now, on top of that, what are the odds that Caleb Farley comes in? I mean, you're a top 10, top 15 player. What are the odds that you come in and ball out? And what, what does that make you three? I mean, how good would he have to play to elevate himself beyond where he already is? He's a surefire thing in the NFL guys. We know that. So, from Caleb's perspective, that's a whole lot of risk with not a whole lot to gain. And I think that the majority of the Virginia Tech fan base and people around college football as a whole can take a step back, not think about how it's going to affect the product in the field for one second and say, you know, this kid made the decision that was best for him and his family. Yeah, I think that's actually a great point as far as like what he had to lose versus what he had to gain, because I think you're right. Like Farley could still end up being a pretty high draft pick, regardless of whether or not he played this year. Right. And I think that that's that was a major part of this evaluation process, aside from the personal side of it, which we've which we've touched on, um, just given the family history. Um, but I think at, at a, you know, evaluating it from a draft pick perspective, I think you're totally right. I mean, there's potential for Farley to be a top 10 pick, uh, regardless of whether or not he plays. It's going to all depend on, you know, what kind of teams are picking up there and what their needs are. And if they see Farley as one of the top defensive backs on the board, I mean, he might end up being picked in the top 10 anyway. Like, what is... How much more can he gain from playing college football season, I think, is an excellent point. Something that, to be honest with you, you know, since he made that decision yesterday, I hadn't really thought about that all that much. Um, I, I thought about what he had to lose, but as far as, like, what he had to gain by playing, I hadn't really thought of it in those terms. And, Andrew, I think you're totally right on that. I'm not sure he had all that much to gain. No, it, it would be, like I said, very, very difficult for him to make his stock rise. Now, now, let's take a look at this, though, and this is a national news story, not just because Caleb Farley is as talented as he is, but because it's the first of what could potentially be many college football players making a, a similar decision. Mike, how, or, or Ricky, whoever wants to go first, how pervasive do you think this is going to be across Power 5 college football? 
Well, we're already seeing it become increasingly common in the NFL. It seems like every day there's another three or four names of guys who are deciding they're not going to play in 2020 if there's a season. So we're going to see this hit just about every team in the country. Um, I think it'll primarily be guys who are projected to be first or second round draft picks with concrete NFL futures, that guys that are guaranteed to get a chance to go to the pros. But there are a lot of players that really need this season uh, to secure that opportunity. And there are guys on Virginia Tech's roster that fit that description. Someone like Trey Turner, a guy who has shown the ability to be an explosive receiver, but is missing some of that that production that you would look for as in a, a top-end wide receiver. And if he comes out in this season and puts together a terrific year, he'll be able to pair those highlight film catches along with the, the, the track record of production. So someone like him has a lot to gain from playing this season. And those situations are quite common throughout the country, and it's not just on Virginia Tech's roster. Uh, someone like Rayshard Ashby, someone who has shown a, a, a track record of production through this point but has some things that he needs to polish up and work on, he's someone who would benefit from playing this year. So we're probably going to see this happen uh, more and more, but I think it's something where it's only going to hit these top elite level guys, guys that are basically guaranteed that they're going to be draft picks um, and that they don't have as much to gain. Whereas you've got a ton of guys who may be middle round, late round guys, UDFAs, those guys have a lot to gain from playing because they're trying to play themselves up the up the board and not down. It's definitely a uh, – it's going to be interesting to see where guys fit in, right? Because obviously – I mean, and this was brought up on the radio show uh, just yesterday. You look at a guy like Brock Hoffman. We know the family health history that has happened with his mother – and how does a guy like that balance? I mean, he's waited a full year to play already, but then you also had the health risk on the side. So for a lot of these players, not just at Virginia Tech, but everywhere, because everyone's got their own family situations in terms of health, in terms of people that you surround yourself with that are going to be at risk. And there's going to be a lot of individualized decisions. But as we've seen with Virginia Tech, these can be decisions that really change individual teams' outlook going into the season. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not just necessarily Virginia Tech because for all we know, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, and it probably won't happen, but, you know, say Sam Howell or Daz Newsom were to make the same decision tomorrow. Well, then suddenly not everyone's going to be as high on North Carolina anymore, right? So these are very, very, you know, landscape-changing moves that are going to be made on an extremely individual and extremely personal level by young men. But now let's, let's go from the micro to the macro, because obviously there was a very, very big news story that came out about 15 minutes after Caleb Farley announced his decision. And that is after much deliberation, the ACC, well, they're going to try to do this college football thing this fall in a very, we'll say moderated way. Right. All right. The ACC announced a scheduling model that includes 10 conference games plus one non-conference matchups. 
a start date on the week of September 7th through 12th. The Atlantic and the Coastal, they are no more for this year. There will be one large ACC division that will include Notre Dame. Revenue will be equally shared, even that Notre Dame's nice NBC money, which I'm sure uh, was a massive condition for the fact that they are going to be able to qualify for the ACC championship game, which will be played between the top two teams in the ACC in terms of winning percentage. Now, the championship game will still be in uh, Charlotte on either December 12th or 19th. I guess that is dependent on whether they're going to have to do makeup games or something like that. I'm not really sure. But the Virginia Tech schedule has now been shifted in a significant way. Year number two against the Georgia Tech rebuild, gone off the schedule. Replacing them with none other than the Clemson Tigers. Virginia Tech will play at home, Boston College, Clemson, Miami, NC State, and UVA. On the road, Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, Pitt, and Wake Forest. I'll start with you, Mike. What What's your initial reaction to what the ACC did under the circumstances, these, you know, as you've heard the word so many times throughout the past five months, unprecedented circumstances? How do you think they fared? Bravo. They did a nice job. Um, a few things that stood out to me. Number one, um, the Notre Dame thing that had everybody up in arms last week because everybody was talking about, okay, Notre Dame can't be included. And I, I was one of them. I said, you know, Notre Dame's an independent team. You can't include them in the ACC and have them qualify for the championship game. They made it work so that the entire ACC is benefiting from having Notre Dame in this year. So way to go ACC for getting that done. That's a huge condition. I, I understand Notre Dame probably isn't joining the ACC for this year without agreeing to that. And it sounded like Notre Dame was open to having that happen and sharing that um, and sharing that NBC money uh, to get in the door because they were in a very tough spot once the Big Ten and uh, you know the Big Ten cancels all their non-conference games and then you figure that most conferences are going to follow suit. So Notre Dame was put in a very tough situation and it worked out for them and it worked out for the ACC. As far as how this is structured, I love the 10 game conference schedule. Um, I've been a big proponent of having a 10 game conference schedule and having two non-conference games for a long time, because I think it's unfortunate that we far too often have opponents across the division, you know, name your team that you just don't see very often. Right. Um, and I, I do like that with this 10 game model, you can see some teams in the Atlantic in a traditional setting that you don't normally see. Um, Wake Forest is on the schedule, NC State's on the schedule, Clemson's on the schedule. I like that. Um, I don't love Virginia Tech's chances against Clemson, but I, I like that Clemson is on the schedule. I think that's that's good for Virginia Tech to measure themselves up against a team like that. Um, so I like in general the the ten game scheduling model. I hope they go with that moving forward. Um, I, who knows what happens after his college football season if it gets played? I also like the fact that they built in some flexibility here because it gives the opportunity for the conference to pivot if there is some sort of outbreak, right? So having some leeway in in so far as you know the the game starting on September seventh, the week of the seventh. 
that allows the ACC some wiggle room there around Labor Day weekend to kind of see what's going on, right? Ordinarily, you'd have games played Labor Day weekend. You built in a week there of, of no games in theory. We'll see what happens with the non-conference game. But in theory, you have a week there with no games. You have two weeks um, on hold for the ACC championship. You have two built-in bye weeks. So I think the ACC has positioned themselves uh, to be able to handle any sort of outbreaks that take place and any sort of unforeseen circumstances where, okay, this team has an outbreak. They can't play their scheduled game, but we can move it a couple weeks from now when, when both of these teams happen to have the same bye, right? Um, you, you can make some things work here and there. And they have about three or four weeks of leeway in this schedule, which I think is good because I think outside of that, if you're trying to figure out what to do for like three or four weeks of a football schedule, the season's probably over anyway. You're probably not going to get this thing done start to finish to begin with. So, I like that they at least have that contingency in there and, and have uh, that option for the entire conference. And then as far as Virginia Tech is concerned, I, I don't really hate this schedule, right? Like it doesn't, not a whole lot changes for me in terms of the ceiling for the Hokies. Um, in, in my opinion, you're replacing Penn State with Clemson, right? I know it, technically it's Georgia Tech because it's the ACC game, but you're, you're replacing a likely loss with a surefire loss. Like I, I didn't love Virginia Tech's chances in the Penn State game. I really don't love their chances against Clemson. Um, but you look at the home schedule, BC, Clemson, Miami, NC State, UVA. Um, so you're replacing, you know, North Alabama or Middle Tennessee or potentially Liberty, depending on what the non-conference game looks like. Uh, that's TBD at this point. You're replacing that game with NC State for now, which, I mean, NC State, the outlook's not great for the Wolfpack this year. I think that's a game that Virginia Tech should be favored in. So I don't love Virginia Tech's chances against Clemson, but you look at the rest of the schedule. I mean, the tough games that were there before are still there now. Um, they got to go on the road to Louisville. That's a tough game. They got to go on the road to North Carolina. That's obviously a very tough game. So there are games on the schedule that are going to be a little bit tricky, but I don't think it's any more tricky than it was before. I think a lot of it depends, honestly, on when these games are scheduled, right? It's going to be kind of a rocky season anyway, just trying to deal with everything that's going on in the middle of this pandemic. But scheduling is going to be key here and what kind of road trips you have to take. Going on the road this year is going to have a different meaning. It's going to be mean more about like how far you travel versus what the road environment is going to be like. It's going to be a completely different college football season. So I'm interested to see how far these teams have to travel and kind of what the schedule looks like and how that's laid out. So those are my initial takeaways. I don't really lower Virginia Tech's ceiling based on the schedule all that much. I lower it more that they're losing Farley. <laughs> that's that's a bigger loss for me than anything that was put on their schedule yesterday. But as far as what the ACC did, I'm I'm really happy with how this turned out. I, I think um, you set the model for the rest of the country. The SEC just announced that they're going full non-conference schedule. I think that's honestly the way to do it this year and just try to make it work and piecemeal together and see if we can get this thing going and start to finish, at least have some hope here. I'm really Mike. And that was, and that was a good in-depth look at it. I'm interested to hear what Ricky has to say, but first I need to remind the listening public, the Hokie hangover podcast is brought to you by main street pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Main street pharmacy is the premier local pharmacy in the new river Valley. Who am I kidding? It's the premier pharmacy overall. If you want a pharmacy that treats you like a neighbor rather than a number, Look no further than Main Street Pharmacy on South Main Street in Blacksburg. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his staff there, I promise you they will take care of you. This is not be just because they're paying us to say this, but because I personally go there 
my pharmacy, I go there all the time. I truly trust Dr. Counts and his staff. Main Street Pharmacy, the only pharmacy that is owned by someone that has a dartboard with a picture of Matt Ryan in a Boston College jersey on it. Now, Ricky, what are your thoughts? <laughs> That's quite the way to finish that that read there. Um, look, there's a lot to digest here. Mike basically gave you the rundown for all of it. Um, a couple things just to add. I disagree with Mike in the sense that tech's outlook isn't severely impacted here um, with the scheduling changes. Uh, tech has to play Clemson, and I get your point about Penn State, but that Penn State game wasn't going to count towards the ACC standings. The Clemson game is, so that's that's a huge issue. Now, yeah, the counterpoint fair. would be that Carolina gets Notre Dame. Um, that being said, Notre Dame is not Carolina or Notre Dame is not Clemson. So tech kind of got hosed in a bit there. And uh, another kind of random thought, I don't really know how these matchups were, were designed. I don't know how they were created. Um, it certainly wasn't geography because if that was the case, then Duke, Carolina and NC state wouldn't have avoided Clemson. I don't really know how the hell that was determined. I'd like to get some clarity on that. Um, I think the ACC handled it as, as about as well as they could have. I've been a pretty big advocate of these conferences waiting a bit before they start willy-nilly canceling games. I wrote about it on allhokies.com, and I gave the Big Ten a tongue lashing. Um, at least the ACC waited a couple weeks and, and evaluated some data before they went ahead and made a decision like this. Cause let's, let's be real here, guys, this is going to have negative effects on college football and it's going to have negative effects on college athletics. They, there's no two ways about that. Once you start canceling all these non-conference games and limiting these non-conference games, you are dooming a lot of these smaller, these smaller programs and, and, and th those scholarships that they have that are subsidized by their football programs. So while this may be the best case scenario, let's not act like this is a win for the sport because I don't think it is. That being well, said, I think I really like that the ACC had a, had legit concrete details with this plan when they released it. We saw when the Big Ten released their decision, the SEC releasing their decision. We haven't seen concrete information and a legitimate plan as to how they're going to go about this. The ACC came out with a damn schedule and and completely revamped their their division system and gave all the details immediately. So I give them credit for at least putting some thought into this uh, in regards to that. But I do think Tech um, is gonna is gonna have an issue with Clemson, obviously, and because that's a, a conference game, that that sucks, man. Because that's that's basically a guaranteed conference loss for a team that's gonna be really really struggling to limit those in some of these road games i mean louisville and carolina on the road is going to be a pain in the ass uh for some reason Pitt, even with no no fans in the stands that's going to be a problem they have uh, issues Miami, at heinz field. what's that have issues at heinz field oh yeah yeah heinz field is just a graveyard uh for for a lot of, for a lot of tech fans uh, Miami's at home. That's even, even though it's at home. And again, the atmosphere means nothing. Miami's going to be an issue, but tech was already had them already on the schedule. So 
I don't know. I mean, I, I like the, the model overall, given that it's the best thing that we've seen thus far. But in just in terms of Virginia Tech, the only real positive I can I can find out of this is that all of their road trips are pretty close. Duke, uh, UNC, Wake Forest, those are obvious bus trips. They can probably do a bus trip for Louisville and Pitt as well. Um, their, their big trips are Boston College and Miami every year, and they're, those two are coming to Blacksburg. And the, the, the games that were added to their schedule didn't end up being a place like Florida State um, or, or, or Notre Dame on the road. So Tech does get a benefit there, but getting Clemson out of the schedule is absolutely brutal. And um, Tech fans are going to be really, really pissed off about that in about, oh, three months. Yeah, I, I mean, and I will say it does hurt, you know, to take that Georgia Tech game off the schedule. I do believe in what Jeff Collins is doing there over at Georgia Tech. I think he has potential to turn the program around, obviously, from like what it was last year. They're in a serious, serious rebuild and missing the opportunity to get another punch in on them while they're down is going to be tough. That being said, I mean, Clemson goes without saying it's obvious Clemson's really good. They're on the schedule now. Um, NC State, you know, they had a very down year last year. They were a very young team, just in the same way that kind of comparable to how Virginia Tech was two years ago, but, you know, a lower floor there, one might say. Interesting storyline there is that uh, both Coach Mitchell, uh, Brian Mitchell, and Charlie Wiles now coaching for NC State. So that'll be a, uh, you know, a quick little reunion there. Uh, Wake Forest, after the season they had last year, with Jamie Newman losing him, losing a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. I, I envisioned that as, I mean, sh- should be. Hey now, hey now, Andrew, calm down. You're going to get Mike riled up over there with his steam and deeks. The steam That's and deeks, true. baby. That's true. That's very Mike, true. Mike, I don't want to hear any, any steam and deeks propaganda for the entire season. It won't be, you, you won't be hearing it from me this year. <laughs> no. Now, Ricky, what you were saying with Virginia Tech, they actually travel the least out of any, in terms of mileage, out of any team in the ACC. So it's a very localized schedule for them. Their longest trip, like you said, Louisville, that's only about a six-hour drive. That can be done on a bus, which, you know, is probably, if you're with Babcock, you're probably clapping there because that's money that you save on airfare. (laughs) But uh, Yeah, and the main thing is, is that when you get these guys on a bus, you can control the the environment a lot more than you can on a plane where you're using airports and things like that keeping these guys together and using kind of the the bubble um mindset that we're seeing the nba use and and the nhl and mls use you want to keep these guys together and away from the public as much as possible and doing so on a bus you're able to control that that situation and that environment a lot more then you are taking them to airports and flying them in and out here. I, I'm going to look at this and this is actually extremely funny in my opinion, but I'm looking at ESPN.com right now. The first basketball game since COVID-19 uh, shut the world down is underway at two, nothing score. And who scores the first two points? None other than Rudy Gobert, the man who shut the NBA down to begin with. <laughs> don't, don't, isn't, sports wonderful? isn't sports wonderful. How about that? Uh, but yeah, no, back to college football. Sorry. 
<laughs> I know that's what people listen to. Check. Maybe we should make it a side NBA podcast or something like that. But uh, there we go. No, you look, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tech does have to play one non-conference game against a team in state. I think we can assume that game's going to be Liberty. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, probably. Uh, I, but again, like it's not, it's another opportunity because I know there's been some pretty loud voices trying to get out of that contract uh, with Liberty. This might be the reason why. Um, you could try to get out of it. The issue, I, I think, is that it's not going to be all that easy to all of a sudden just up and schedule Old Dominion or to up and schedule James Madison, which is a very popular opinion I'm seeing online. The issue is that, like, at the FCS level, there are a lot of schools, um, a lot of conferences are canceling college football. Now, uh, the CAA, the conference in which James Madison plays, is not one of those at this point. So uh, they could play Virginia Tech conceivably. But I think well, it's James, easier James for Madison all involved. James Madison has said that even if the CAA cancels football, they're going to try to play anyway. Yeah, which is a bold move. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's each their own, right? Each their own. Uh, but as far as um, as far as tech's concerned, I, I think the most likely outcome is that they still play Liberty. Rick, do you agree? Yeah, they they make the most sense. Um, tech already has a, a a serious deal with them moving forward. A VMI could be somebody that they could they could throw in there, I guess. But at this point, you really just take whoever you can get and get over it. Um, and, and this game might not even get played. I mean, they're they're going to try and get these games scheduled, but if the ACC has to axe these non-conference games, they'll do so in a heartbeat without any hesitation. So I don't think that Witt's going to put a lot of thought into it. He's going to try and get whoever he can on the schedule, a team that or a program that he can work with and establish some some safe protocols where the two schools can agree and do things a way that they see fit. Um, so tech fans who are looking to get Liberty off the schedule, you're going to have to have to wait a bit longer because this year really isn't the time to try and figure out whether or not you want to, you want to do that. You, you need to take what you can get. Now, this is kind of the last conversation I want to have before we wrap things up here. And that's just talking about, how realistic is it that they, the ACC can pull this off? Now, the plan will only go on if, quote, public health guidance allows, end quote. Obviously, with we've seen what's happened in Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball, given all the money that goes into it, has a much higher testing capacity and ability to do that than college football does Students are on college campus surrounded by thousands of other students. Quarantining, not as easy. And even in Major League Baseball, with everything they have, we've already within one week seen a 19-person outbreak on a team. If you guys had to give a percentage chance today, what would you say is the chance that A, the season starts, and B, the season is completed in totality. So I think there's like a 75 to 80% chance the season starts at this point. As far as finishing it in totality, I, I think it's still around a 50-50 chance, and maybe that might even be too high. Um, don't count out the ACC scheduling a handful of these games at, the, at a time either to kind of see how things pan out. I wouldn't be surprised to see them release like the first four games to try to get everybody through the month of September 
And then after maybe a week or two of the college football season, maybe you try to schedule the next four. I, I think they're really going to have to try to piecemeal this thing together. And I think that they're going to want to see kind of how this pans out. I'm not sure how feasible my idea there is, but it wouldn't shock me if they get creative with how they schedule these games, just because we're in such an unprecedented pandemic. I think all bets are off as far as kind of what the ultimate end goal and end of plan will, you know, eventually end up being. Well, I, I think there's a hundred percent chance that the season starts when it starts. I'm not sure. Uh, there's probably a a 60 to 70 percent chance that it starts in the fall and there's probably a 30 percent chance that it starts in the spring uh, but there will be at some point a season that gets started I'm confident in that I'm gonna agree with Mike that it's probably a 50 50 chance that the schedule gets played through um, it's all going to depend on whether or not the ACC has a plan for when a team has an outbreak because it's going to happen this, this is something that has blown my mind with Major League Baseball. If you're going to put these teams out there, you have to assume that one, at least one team is going to have an outbreak of players. So you have to be prepared for that. There has to be a protocol in place or else there's no point in even starting. We might as well just pack up and wait for next year. You have to have a plan in place to keep the season going while also giving these teams time to heal and, and, and quell the outbreak. So if we get to a point in September, October, where a team gets has an outbreak and the ACC cancels the season or postpones the season, I'll be extremely disappointed because if that's the plan, then there's no reason of even starting. Agreed. Now, now the last question I have for you guys is you look at this season and, you know, Circumstances have forced the ACC to turn everything upside down. The, circ the, the conditions of the season will be different. And I think in every sport, college football notably, the results may end up being questioned in terms of validity, especially when you have a team like Notre Dame entering the picture as an ACC championship contender. You've removed the divisions. The you know, it's not going to look like ACC football as we know it. Do you believe the results of the 2020 season will be considered to be valid by the majority of fans? I think they'll be considered valid, but I think that the, the, the greater question is how how are we going to use this 2020 season to evaluate where the where Virginia Tech is as a football program? We've been saying for months that the 2020 season is extremely important when it comes to evaluating Justin Fuente's level of success in Blacksburg. It's extremely important in evaluating whether or not Justin Fuente is going to be able to elevate this program to where Virginia Tech fans would like it to be. But given everything that's happened over the last six to seven months with um, the, like you mentioned, Andrew, the, the complete um, abolition of the divisions for this year, Caleb Farley uh, deciding he's not going to play. Uh, very unlikely that we're going to have fans in the stands. And we all know how much playing in Lane Stadium is, is a home field advantage. Uh, it, it, I really don't know what all of that means for how much we can use this season to evaluate Justin Fuente. Because clearly, every other program in the country is dealing with this. So 
it's one thing to see that that can't really be used as an excuse, but there are, there are too many confounding problems that Justin Fuente is facing for the 2020 season, I think, to 100% lay any credit or um, demerit at his feet. And it, it, all I think it's going to do is create even more polarity and more division amongst the the vocal fans on social media because we've obviously seen the um, kind of the nastiness between both sides on social media, and it's flared up multiple times over the last six months. And let's say Justin Fuente's team goes out there, right, and Tech goes 7-3, and three, and they lose, they lose to Clemson, they lose to Miami, and they lose to – North Carolina and they fall just short of the ACC coast or let's say they go eight and two and they lose to Clemson and they lose to one other team and they fall just short uh, of making the ACC championship game. How, how are tech fans going to evaluate that? I don't really know the answer. Um, and I think all it's going to do is lead to more confusion, which Lord knows this fan base needs less of. I I think I agree with that. I mean, I think that's the the biggest question as to how is Justin Fuente going to be evaluated. And I have actually the same question about Dave Dorn at NC State because I actually thought coming into this season before the pandemic that this was a make or break year for Dave Dorn insofar as him trying not to get fired. Like I thought if NC State failed to make a bowl game or barely went six and six, I thought that he might be out the door. And now I'm not so sure with the pandemic. I don't think Justin Fuente is on the same plane as Dave Doran because I don't think Justin Fuente would be fired after the season unless Tech just totally bottomed out, uh, which I just really don't see happening with the roster they have returning. So how do you evaluate Justin Fuente now in a broader sense, I think is the real question here. And, you know, I think Clemson kind of being a surefire loss, you kind of take that aside and just see how competitive Tech is in that football game. If Tech loses by you know, four touchdowns and you don't feel great about things. But if they lose by maybe 10 points and they're competitive for two and a half quarters or so, then maybe you feel a little bit better about things if they play well the rest of the season. So, I I mean, this is going to be a good opportunity, I think, for Justin Fuente because Virginia Tech is going to be evaluated against the rest of their conference, right? That's all that really um, matters for this season is how you play against your competition and conference. And it was a big year anyway, just in, in regard to kind of wins and losses and what this kind of means also for Virginia Tech moving forward on the recruiting trail as well. But now you get to exclusively play these teams you're recruiting against. I mean, Virginia Tech is now going to play some teams in the state of North Carolina that weren't on the schedule already in Wake Forest and NC State um, that are good opportunities, especially in the NC State game, a really good opportunity to try to win over some recruits that you didn't necessarily have that decision um, or, or that opportunity before to kind of sway the recruits decision. Right. So you have um, that game on the schedule. Now you do have a game against Clemson to try to convince elite recruits that, Hey, we can hang with the big boys. So there are some, there are some big games on the schedule for recruiting. There's some big games on here still, in my opinion, for Justin Fuente and how he's evaluated moving forward in Blacksburg. But, I agree. I mean, I think the goalposts do get moved a little bit just because of the nature of the season. It's definitely it's definitely going to be different, and I think you guys touched on all the good points, but it's just kind of with everything that's going on right now. You can look at almost every aspect of life and the way things have gone down for the first few months and the way things go down until 
things go back to normal. Like, you know, just general life as we know it goes back to some semblance of what we thought was normal. Everything is going to be looked at through a different lens because we're all just dealing with such ridiculous situations and sports is no different. And yeah, it's weird. And having Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, I don't love it. And I, it's going to be hard to judge the season where, you know, maybe tech going to the ACC championship game might've been the goal. And now going against Notre Dame and Louisville and, all the other teams and the schedules being all screwed up makes that goalpost move a little bit. Yeah. So, but everyone's kind of in the same, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's playing in a weird situation in the season. It's just going to be judged in that way. It's going to be a very special season and it'll be a fun season if it can happen as planned. That's going to do it for us here at the Hokie Hangover Podcast. We are, as always, sponsored by Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Main Street Pharmacy, the best pharmacy in the New River Valley. I am Andrew Alex for Mike McDaniel, who hopefully can watch my Mets beat his Red Sox, and Ricky LeBlue, who hopefully will see the return of Orioles magic. We thank you for listening. No, it's done. (laughs) No Orioles magic? (laughs) There is no Orioles magic right now. We had two catcher interferences in one inning in our game last night. (laughs) Orioles magic is dead for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. I am waiting for the return of Orioles magic. But for us, (laughs) thank you for listening. We will be back next week talking some recruiting. Then we'll start breaking down Virginia Tech's opponents. And, of course, we will roll with whatever news comes. Because as we learned yesterday, it can catch you by surprise. And we'll bring it all to you right here. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on Twitter at Hokey Hangover, and tell your friends about the podcast if you like what you are listening to. Good night, good luck, and as always, go Hokies. Go Hokies.